You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Jeff Harmon. And in this episode, I'm welcoming back a frequent guest of the show, uh, now a photographer at Utah State University. We'll talk about that in just a second here. Levi Sim. Welcome back, Levi. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I'm so glad to talk with you again. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit, and you've had some things, <laughs> some things happen for you. You are oh, now man, at Utah State. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a great year. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, so I'm in Utah, so I have a soft spot in my heart for you. my my son's going to be headed up to Utah State in the fall here, so that's going to be fun. Oh, good! Yeah, holy cow! So, so yeah. tell me, what is the position there? Like, this seems like a dying job front. <laughs> oh, it is. It's like one of the only, like, like, like the dying job is staff photographer any place. Yeah, except a university. <laughs> so it turns out we've got a whole. University Photographers of America Association. Okay. Like there, there's a whole thing going on here that I didn't even know about, but um, yeah, I'm the, I'm the head photographer at Utah state. It's, it's hard to say that cause there's like, we don't have a centralized system for everything. So I actually work in the marketing department and I make pictures for all kinds of stuff. Right. I, I rarely do sporting events. But I do everything else. If you watch a YouTube video and there's a banner ad, it's probably my photo. If you go walk into a building on campus and you see a, a poster that reminds you to put your mask on, it's my picture. If you like all kinds of stuff. If you go to the website and you see a photograph, it's probably my picture. Very and cool. so all kinds of photos and all those genres and and if you read Utah State magazine, it's full of my photos. Um and it's a blast. Like I, I heard about this job. I heard there was a person who was the photographer at Utah state like 12 years ago. I was like, man, that'd be awesome. Cause so I live in, well, the school is in Logan, Utah. And 12 years ago I lived in Logan, Utah and it's a wonderful place to live. And then what, uh, nine years ago about I left Logan, Utah and moved to Portland and then, a few years ago, I moved to Boise, and I think that's probably the last time we, we talked on the show was yeah. when I was in Boise. Yeah. And then last summer, I got hired here and moved back to the Logan, Utah area, although I still live in Idaho. I live in, in Franklin, Idaho, 50 yards from the Utah border. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's great. So. I don't know if that tells you anything about what I do, but it's a ton of fun. And I've done a lot of like, uh, do you have a sec? Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> <laughs> so interesting things I'm doing that I've never done before. We've, we've set up photo shelter since I, since I came on board, which is a photo hosting yeah. website. Like that's a really gentle description of it. Right. And, and we're using the, like enterprise level setup and it's got all these permissions and st it's been a mess, but now that it's up and running, it's working pretty well and people can go there and get pictures like, like a, a professor giving a presentation at a conference can go there and get great pictures of the comp of our 
of our school and everything without having to be like, hey, can I have some pictures from right. you guys over in the photo department? Or or without Googling Utah State University, they can go straight right. to <laughs> like our own uh, catalog online. In fact, anybody can go there. You can go see it right now. It's usu.photoshelter.com. And so like the media can also go there. I recently, in, in Utah, there's a lot of universities. People may not realize how many people we have in this state. <laughs> <laughs> But but we've got a lot of schools here, and three big ones would be like BYU, uh, University of Utah, and Utah State University. And so, and they like it's interesting how like there's different like we we reach very different um, audiences. Like our student bodies are significantly right. different. Right. One thing about Utah State is that we have thirty universities or thirty campuses throughout the state, which is pretty interesting. And so I cover all of those as well. I travel and, and make pictures at all the different places. But recently there was a, a news story about Utah State University in Logan, where I work, and looking at the pictures online. And I, like this is a major news outlet that is hosting this story. And I'm looking at the picture, and yes, that one is Utah State. Nope, that one is University of Utah. <laughs> that one is University of Utah. That one is so. So this photo shelter thing, it's it's got a public gallery where somebody like, you know, NBC can go and get actual photos of actual people on our actual campus. Gotcha. And so that's been really cool. That is cool. And then the one other major thing that we've done is we're building a new campus in Moab, Utah. Which oh wow. Everybody here on this podcast is has been thinking about going there, and you absolutely should. <laughs> right. Although during the pandemic, they have been incredibly busy. Like it's hard to get a hotel room. Yeah. Um, and we've had a campus there for a long time, but we're building a new, fancy, dedicated place. And so I've gone through this process of setting up two time lapse cameras that are recording the building of the campus continuously. Oh. And I'm going to have they to have are, you on for that. We're going to have to talk oh, about man. that one too. <laughs> oh yeah. We can, we can spend the whole show on this one. Absolutely. They're, and then they're not like webcams. They're, no. they're Canon DSLRs in these $5,000 housings and they're uploading photos every 10 minutes. Oh. And it's been very educational. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. We're definitely going to have to talk about that. Cause I, I have wanted, I, I built a house a few years ago and I, I looked into this briefly thinking that would right. be really cool to have the building of my house in a time-lapse. And I gave up on it pretty quickly. Uh, I just couldn't find the right thing, especially in the budget I had, which was like nothing. But oh, uh, I know it. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one in another episode. I'll have you come <laughs> back for that. Um, yeah. Okay. So for, for this, I, so I am jealous a little bit. I've seen the university advertising like crazy. So you work to, do you work on like the, at least the ads for like this, the athletic events? Uh, no. So like athletics is almost like called us. Like it's just, it's just so separate. Okay. Like they have all their own stuff. And so I don't, I don't really do that. I don't, I don't do almost any marketing for athletics except that I help with the marketing for event services, which <laughs> like they, they take care of everything at the, like all the signs of the stadium, those might be mine, but anything, 
you decided to get you to the stadium isn't mine. Oh, uh, okay. But you were <laughs> recently fil- or shooting with some athletes and uh, t- was, took yes. a ball to the head. <laughs> I did. I did. In fact, if you want to see that, you can go to photofocus.com and, and see my, uh, my portrait tip on how to get kicked in the face. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have a link in the show notes at the at the bottom of the show notes. There'll be a link to that. It was yeah, that was be, good. Be sure to link to Scott Sterling as well because that was me. Right, <laughs> right. Do, do you remember that? I do that on Studio C. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's get into the the headshots then. Let's talk about that. That's that's what uh, all of the the stuff I'd seen you posting recently. Uh, plus, I had been doing had some headshots myself, so that's why I was like, "Hey, let's oh, let's get together and talk about this and and uh, see if we can provide some tips for the listeners on creating. I'm going to call it creating stunning headshots. Maybe like five steps to I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the final title comes out to be. But uh, yeah. but some steps. I want to give them a practical like guide to how it is that that they can. A photographer might go from never having done a headshot, even though even though they may be super familiar with things. Um, super familiar with um, landscape or other types of types of portraits. Headshots is kind of their own thing, and not only are you doing some stuff for the university, but you've got a lot of background in headshots, right? Like you've you took on or created yourself a little personal project that was what did you call it? Like the Steve Jobs Portrait Project or something like that. That's it. Yeah, the Steve Jobs Portrait Project, and it's it's actually ongoing. It just hasn't been doing much lately. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. But, so, so uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and what, when yeah. did you start it? The, the day that Steve Jobs passed away in 2011 happened to be a Wednesday, which is when at that time my photo club in Logan, Utah used to get together okay. and well, actually we still do. We just do it online right now. And we get together and share pictures during lunch. And that day, Steve Jobs picture was everywhere. Uh-huh. That, that famous portrait of him made by Albert Watson was, was sitting there on the homepage. It was on billboards. It was everywhere. And so, um, a couple guys hung around after, after our lunchtime meeting and we went upstairs and, and my buddy, Justin helped me try to recreate that picture. Uh, the, just, it's just a very simple headshot, but he's got his hand in front of his chin and, it's interesting and it's an, it's an intriguing expression and things. And, um, so after we, we felt like we'd got the lighting down pretty well, we, I put a note on Facebook and said, anybody else want to come by and, and do a, a Steve jobs portrait, come on over. And Logan, Utah is a small place. There's, I mean, there's not an Apple store here, <laughs> um, but a hundred people showed up that, I mean, there's, there's actually more cows in the Valley than there are <laughs> people as well. But, but a hundred people came by within a few days to do this kind of a picture. Some people called it a, a tribute. Some people said, who Steve, who, <laughs> and, but they, they came over and made a picture with me. And since then, uh, I've, I've made those pictures that, that kind of style of portrait in a lot of different places. And for a lot of different people, I do it for a lot of my clients. It's a fun thing. I've done it as a fundraiser for various organizations, which is, which I think is the the best thing about a project. If I can use it to actually make a difference for, for somebody else, it's it's pretty amazing. And so it's been a fundraiser and it's just been a lot of fun. And I've made uh, more than 2000 portraits 
in this in this style. It's a white backdrop. It's got a person with their hand at their chin, uh-huh. and having done this two thousand times, I've got it down to like a very succinct process. And within thirty seconds, I can get two great pictures of anybody doing the Steve Jobs pose, and it's it's really fun. And and for me as a photographer it's the best thing I could have done as a portraitist to, um, and I've, I've done it with other, I've done it other ways as well, but having a, having a photo booth and having people come in and doing a lot of pictures really quickly. I mean, when we go to WPPI, people are literally, literally lined up around the room waiting to come get a picture with me. And these are all other photographers doing this and we'll be, like at a, at a party or, or something or, or on the show floor and, and people are lined up to, to come make a picture with me. And, um, and so I've got to do it quickly and I've got to do it very efficiently. And if you ever get a chance to do a portrait booth, do it, but like, don't try and automate it. Don't try and make a, make your iPad shoot it, you know, <laughs> right. like, yeah. like you can buy these, uh, these photo booth things. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, it's not nearly as beneficial to you <laughs> as it is to have a whole bunch of people come through. And I've done it as a marketing technique for myself. Um, before I was doing the Steve Jobs project, I was doing like I'd, I'd go to the home and garden show and, and there's all, all these people, you know, milling around, buying stuff for their, you know, shopping for what they're going to put in their houses this year. They're going to build a house or whatever. So there's, 7,000 people coming through this thing this weekend. I set up my booth in there and said, I'm your, I'm your photographer. Let's make a picture real quick. And we make a, a rather striking photo of some kind. Like I, I did like a black background and, um, and I'm just, I'm set up on a tripod and I wrangle people in. I say, come on in, let's, let's make a picture. And every time I've done this, or I'll do it at the farmer's market, you know, everybody else has potatoes for sale. And I, I'm giving away pictures that day. And it, every time I've done that, I've gotten a lot of business out of it. I've got a, a client I've had for 12 years who I met my first summer owning a camera and uh, doing, doing that farmer's market picture. Nice. And uh, it's, it's a cool thing to do. So That's a great idea. I love it. Yeah, a, a good way to just get jump into it and, and get going. That that is awesome. Um, okay, so the the point is, you got a lot of experience with this stuff now, and uh, and so we should be able to provide some good advice on how people could kind of get on the right track, start off on the right foot, and come to a place where they can make some really good headshot photos that uh, clients will be really happy with. So um, I wanted to try to break it down into some steps. We'll see how all well that works <laughs> as we do. <laughs> but um, but where do you think people, photographers who want to get into headshots, where should they start? Um, you should you should start doing it. Is the like is the main thing. Like I say, that first summer I owned a camera. Like literally had not owned a camera since for twelve years before that when I was in high school, and I. I yeah, I was reading the blogs, I was listening to podcasts, and I was walking around during my lunch hour making all the pictures I could. And I'd get home in the evening and I'd walk through the neighborhood making whatever picture came to mind. And knowing that 
making people pictures was the only thing that was actually going to make any money for me. Right. And so, so I got that booth at the farmer's market. I paid 20 bucks and I, I set up a, one of those pop-up shelters, uh-huh. you know, with, with like the, the sunshade and don't get a blue one. Don't get a red one. Don't get a green one or anything. Get a white one. And it's got a trans, like it's kind of translucent on top. And so light was, was shining through, uh, gently shining through from above. And then I'd put a reflector on the grass in front of me. People would stand in there and it's an easy portrait setup. And I, I made a lot of pictures. So you don't need to buy anything. Um, initially you can, you can find terrific ways or, or terrific tools to help you make good light. Um, but the, the first thing you need to do is work with people. You, you can't be a jerk and make good headshots. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and you can't be selfish and make good headshots. You can't be selfish and make any good portrait. When you're, when you're making a portrait, you've got to have the mindset that this is a service you're giving to somebody else and, and you should be honored that they're trusting you with it. Most people would really rather go see the dentist than come see you for a portrait. You know, they would rather get a root canal than have someone point a camera their way. Absolutely. Right. Like (laughs) there's a huge, a huge reticence and it's, and maybe it's because they've had a bad experience. Maybe it's because, um, because a picture is stuck there. Like we're also a lot like barbers. (laughs) I had this epiphany this year when I came away from the barber with a bad haircut (laughs) 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 because they have a huge amount of control over how I look. (laughs) Yes. Um, The thing is the barber, his influence over me only lasts two weeks. (laughs) Right. Whereas when I, I make a picture of someone, that may last decades. I, I photographed a guy the other day. He's a professor at the school. He's also my brother's father-in-law. And I, I made a portrait for him about 12 years ago when I, when I had just bought my camera. And I set a reflector on the garbage can <laughs> outside his house. And my wife held the diffuser on the other side. And we made a portrait. That was the last headshot he had made. Right. And, and he's kind of a bigwig guy like he's he's well known he speaks at a lot of places and all these things and and last week i made a new headshot for him at the school and uh your your photos last a long time even if they're not good <laughs> and so I, that, that so is definitely owe it to folks that has been my experience too and and i think of all of the photographers i've talked with over the last several years i've had a lot on the show We've talked a lot about portrait photography. It's it's a really significant topic, of course. And uh, of all the people I've talked with, Levi, you're one of the better ones with working with people. <laughs> I, I We well, did a photo thanks. walk. I remember doing that with you, I don't know, a couple of years back. Um, you were down here in Salt Lake City, and, and I met with you. And we went and, and walked to the streets of Salt Lake for about an hour. And uh, I was amazed at how well you could just put people at ease um, at, at one point, I think we even had, uh, if I remember right, there was like a policeman who was trying to figure out what we were doing. And it seemed like he was about to tell us like, Hey, you guys can't be doing this here. And you just talked him right out of it. <laughs> you just, you just, uh, worked right with him and like, Hey, can I make a photo of you? And, uh, can I, and then 
I, hey, can I send it to you? And he's like, oh, hey, would you send it to my wife? And and then you did. And 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 he's like, wow, that was awesome. I love that shot. And it was it was really fun. Uh, so it, it's yeah, a, we we ended up making a picture right then of the the Salt Lake County Sheriff's deputy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, did you think he was about to tell us to get out too? Um, I I did not have that. Oh, impression. okay. All right. Well, <laughs> but but uh. But I never do. Like yeah. that, that's the way. That's the way. That's kind of the way I approach people. Is that we're about to do something fun. <laughs> we're about to do something good. And yeah. that, like that's how I approach headshots too. Is that you and I are about to make a great picture. Right. And 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 that's that's why that's why I always use the verb make instead of take. Uh-huh. Because it, it's it, you know you and I have to do this together. And when we work together on it, it's going to turn out good. So if if. Well, it's a skill you obviously have developed and a skill that I don't feel like I have developed all that much. That's still a challenge. I struggle with it. Um, my wife is much, much better at it than I am. So it's a good thing. We we do most of our portrait work together. And so she's, she's the good, like talking to the person and getting them opposed. And, and I just make sure the lighting is right. And the, the camera settings are good. <laughs> we're going to, we're going <laughs> to have it. So we're a really good team together, uh, where it's just, you know how to do it all together, but how, what do you think people can do to try to gain that or develop that part of their photography for portrait work? That's a great question. And, and you said it right. Like I have developed this skill and it is absolutely something that anybody can develop. My buddy, Rich Harrington, who publishes photofocus.com, he is like the most introvert, one of the most introverted people I know, but he will walk up to anybody on the street and, and talk to him and make a picture with him as well. And it's just because he tries to, and I know I know that anybody can do it. You, it's it's just difficult, um, but it becomes. It doesn't get any easier, but it <laughs> it definitely becomes less difficult. Does that make sense? <laughs> it becomes more effective. The results get better okay. the more you practice it. It's not easier, but but the results are better as you as you do it. And like you just have to, you just have to do it. So go to a trade show. Doesn't doesn't even matter if it's a photo. Even better if it's not a photo trade show. So there's no chance that you're gonna go to the construction trade show downtown. Go to the go to the home and garden show, whatever, and talk to to every person at every booth is a great way to get started. Okay. And um, what was that thing like? There's always some kind of thing like this going on when there's not a pandemic, at least. <laughs> right? Um, and so so. Like there's, there's like the, the one put on by the dealership or by the county, go to the county fair and whatever it is, go there and talk to everybody and be interested in what they're selling. Even the insurance guys. <laughs> See, like insurance salesmen know this works well. You go to any kind of a show, you go to, a, to WPPI and there's a guy there selling insurance and um, he's the guy I'm insured with, by the way, and and they know that that doesn't matter where you are, people are people, and getting your thing in front of them is is all that matters. So go and talk to them about their insurance and what they offer, how long they've been doing it, what their favorite thing to do on the weekend is, but get interested in them and don't fake it. Yeah, like just try. Like this is not a fake it till you make it thing. This is a do it till you're good at it thing. 
uh-huh. you, you can't fake being interested in people unless and then unless you want to be an insurance salesman just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so go and and just do this thing and find opportunities to make it happen go to the farmers market and talk to everybody about what fertilizer they use and get interested in that thing and it you'll be surprised at the doors that open up for you and and if you do it while you're wearing your your photographer name tag <laughs> all the better like right. you can you can dr- drum up some business and I'm not kidding. I wear a name tag yes. all the time. Yeah, Levi absolutely <laughs> does. I can attest to that. You're known for it, actually. I think uh, everyone knows that you you wear the Levi Sim, usually a wooden name tag. Do you still sticking with a wooden one? <laughs> right now, I've got a I've got like a, a an aluminum one with oh, a okay. um, with white on it, and then I've I've got one from the school. Although my my kid broke it the other day, so I need to get a new, a new one that says USU on it uh, because the name tag opens doors and helps people know that you're not a creeper. So if you're a creeper and you want to get away with stuff, you should wear a name tag. Um, and if you're a photographer and you want to get away with stuff, you should wear a name tag. And it just, it changes everything. And suddenly people are asking you where the bathroom is and how to get to <laughs> <Right>. whatever. <laughs> like I've never, I, I thought it was because I was wearing a name tag. Like people come up to me all the time at the airport and are like, do you know where this thing is? Or I'll be at a hotel, like walking through the lobby. Excuse me. Can you help me find, <laughs> uh, but it's happened to me several times when I'm not wearing a name tag. So it's <laughs> yeah, just something about it. <laughs> okay. So when, when we talk about headshots, people like jump to the gear. <laughs> There's this yes. tendency to say, well, here's what you got to buy. And, uh, you know, almost every portrait headshot training thing I've done, I've done quite a few because I wanted to be good at it. And I most recently did one from Peter Hurley, which we're going to talk about. It's going to be at the end of the show. Yeah. We're going to talk about a resource there. But um, and he's like one of the masters of of headshots. He's probably the world's most renowned headshot uh, photographer. But um, yeah, which, which means that about a quarter of the people listening right now have heard his name. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and seen his work and, and all of and that. So you've definitely seen his work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But exactly. and and when the, the challenge I have with almost all that training is they're usually done in this nice photo studio and right. they have all of these lights set up all over the place and they have this beautiful background and the right space to be able to position people and I look at that and say, I don't have any of that. <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't have that space. I don't have all that fancy lighting. Uh, it, it's this is so far away from what I can do uh, that it, it becomes discouraging. And I think, man, I just I don't I can't do that. Then I can't create the Peter Hurley headshots because I don't have that stuff. But um, as I've done more and more of it, I like no, you don't have to have all that stuff. There's <laughs> there's good ways to be able to do this. Um, and I still fell into the trap as we were building the show notes. I was going to the gear and, uh, you, you helped me to rein that back in and be like, no people first. (laughs) And then let's talk about like how you can do it without even making any, any investments. So you have some suggestions on, you, you told us about the little, uh, let's see that tent thing, right? The white tent thing. That's a good idea. What is it called? Like easy shade? Yeah. Easy ups, I think is a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. Easy up. up. Yep. So, so there's that. What what other kind of suggestions do you have on how you might be able to get a create a good lighting situation for for taking headshots? The the main thing you need is a directional light. You need light that 
and, and hopefully that you can control the direction of lights. So like in a, in your home, there's a, a light fixture on the ceiling and it's pushing light straight downward, which yeah. means it's also pushing shadows straight downward. Right. And that's not a flattering situation. And so you need a light that's coming from the side is basically it. You need a light that's about head level and shining across rather, rather than down. That's what we love about window light. That's what people who say they're, I'm a natural light photographer. That's the kind of light that they're looking for and that they're good at finding. And we can find that too and use it for headshots. We can also recreate it with artificial, like we say artificial light. It's not like there's, there's no, like, there's not a factory in China turning out cans <laughs> of artificial light. You know, right, right. <laughs> there's no such thing as artificial light. There's available light and there's great light. <laughs> and, and sometimes the two meet up, um, but we can find great available light. Um, all you need is a FedEx truck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a sunset. So a FedEx truck is a big white thing and it will reflect light. A, a white wall reflects white light. And when it's big, it's also very soft and, and kind of gentle feeling. And so all you need to do is walk around when the sun is getting low in the sky and find a spot with a white wall or a semi truck parked out front and you've got a good light setup. And so the sun is setting in the west. I'm going to put my subject on the west side of the semi truck. And now the light reflecting off the truck is shining into their face. And the sun is also lighting them from behind. Right. And so you get that, you get that kind of rim light, that, that, that hair light uh, shining, shining on them from, from behind like that. And it's very flattering. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy setup that's good to find. If you find a, a building with yellow bricks that can work well. Um, anything big and lighter colored is going to reflect light. Now, if it's colored, it's also likely to reflect colored light, which can be, it can be good, but you just need to know that, <clears throat> excuse me. You just need to know that color is coming off of that reflector as well. Um, and so anybody anywhere in the world can find this. You can build an igloo out of snow and set people in front of it. <laughs> I would love to try that. That would be fun. <laughs> be fun for us. I don't know if anybody else wants to stand in the snow. <laughs> a snow wall to do it. Yeah. A snow wall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've and I've done that. I've used a snowy mountain as a reflector because it is it is a big white thing shining light back. And the bigger it is, the less close you have to be to it. But the closer you are to it, the 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 more light is falling on your subject. Right. It's not brighter, but more of it is falling on your subject. Right. And reducing the transition from the lightest parts to the shadows. Making exactly. A, a which, nice is, which is what makes transition. it soft. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. I think of it like, um, like the sun casts a shadow. And when you look at your shadow on the sidewalk, you can see a defined edge around where it is. And you can say, this is my shadow and this is not my shadow. When right. we use a big light and I mean, the sun is huge. But in relation to us, it's very small. So right. a big light in relation to us, like a semi-truck or a wall um, or a, a huge flash thing, um, it's, like, it's like a million little lights. And on the far right corner, there's a light, and it shines on your face, and it casts a shadow across your face. But then in the middle, there's also a light, and it's shining into your face, and it's, it's casting its own shadow, but it's also 
filling in the shadow cast by the other spot. And then you, you move across and there's, there's more light coming in and it's filling a little bit of, of the shadow cast by the other spots. And so the edge of that shadow is not hard and well-defined. It's a very soft transition, which is why it's called a soft light because it makes soft shadows. So I don't know why we don't call it a, a soft <laughs> shadow. Yeah. But, uh, so that, that's, the, that's the thing about, about a large light making soft shadows. And it's very forgiving and anybody can do it well. Not only does it make soft shadows, but it makes soft highlights, which is, which is more important. Like right. people look at a picture of themselves and they don't say, oh, my shadows are so harsh. They say, oh, my forehead is so shiny right, or, right. or the top of my head is so shiny or the, you know, the shine is also reduced when you use a large light source. Um, so you can, you can find it in a semi truck. You can also find it by, by changing the direction of the light you're finding, like go into a, a stairwell with windows and that's a great spot. The the lights always coming in the side from those windows. Where do you find that kind of st- like a a library or a airport or a, a a university campus? There's all this great architecture that isn't in your life. <laughs> new we just got a new airport in Salt Lake. Yeah. I don't know if you've flown anywhere in the last year. No, but it's uh it's pretty nice. It's pretty cool, and nobody gets to see it unless they're flying there. But yeah. but college campuses also get new architecture and, and have really cool stuff. And so go walk around your college campus. Find a stairwell where light's coming in from the side. Find an alley, like a, a tight kind of a, a little space between buildings, and step into the shadow inside that alley. And now the front of that alley, the sky is shining in and lighting your person. And, and also getting a little from above, depending on how deep it is and things. And that can be a really great spot. Find a, a porch where the light is sheltered from overhead and everything outside the porch is, is reflecting inward and, and shining largely and softly like the sky is shining in from the side of the porch. Find a garage where you can step into the shadow in the garage and now the, the cement outside, the, the white driveway is reflecting light up in and the sky is shining in. It's really good. Parking garages are great too because they're sheltered from overhead with lights shining in from the sides. And so there's all kinds of available places you can go to find directional light without paying a cent for it. And, you know, I'm cheap. So I like that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But for those that do want to get some minimal kind of equipment that they could use to do this, what, uh, what kind of a setup maybe with the Steve jobs or what, what kind of a setup is it that uh, it, it seems like you do kind of more of a quick setup so that you can get in and out and get your stuff done, especially now with university. What, what kind of a lighting setup do you use? Yeah. So my, my like go-to money making and, and you can make tons of money doing headshots. If you can do them quickly, right. you can make tons of money doing single headshots. Um, but you have to find like the CEO of the huge company and get in with that person. And so there's, there's a lot of, it's a very small market. A very large market is lots of people need a, a picture quickly. And you can do this at conventions. Like I go to the sales meeting for several large companies and they've got all their salespeople from around the, the country 
all in this one spot. Right. And I'm set up in the hallway and they come out and get a photo with me and they've got three to seven minutes to do it before the next person is signed up and, and we're cycling through during breaks and during lunch hours and all this stuff. And so there's a, there's a lot of money to be made here if you can do it nicely and, and consistently and quickly. So what I do, I've got a front light and I've got a backlight and I've got a backdrop and I've got a reflector. So is that four things mm-hmm. that you need? <laughs> um, and my front light is, is usually a soft box and usually a round soft box, like a, like an octobox type shape. Okay. And one of the reasons it's round is just because the round ones, you can get them that are collapsible. So they, they, they open and close kind of like an umbrella. Right. I love, I love the palsy buff stuff, the, the, uh, uh, the Einstein and alien bees lighting tools. They work great on their lights, which are also very good. Um, and so, and so they, they collapse and expand very easily and, and make a, a fast setup. Now you can also find just like on Amazon, like, a it's, it's like, it's an umbrella, but the umbrella part is black. And then it's actually got a white covering on it. And like Fotix makes a bunch of these that are really good. Right. And it's, it's just, and you can stick a speed light in there and it shines into the umbrella, which is silver on the inside. And then it shines back out the flat fronted uh, white side, which is good and, and creates a very even light. And that's, that's very nice to use. Um, and so find some kind of a, a soft box or like a white umbrella can work very effectively here too. Shining through it. You don't want to reflect out of an umbrella on its own. You want to shine through an umbrella. Um, and it, but it's a, it's kind of a light bomb. And so if you're trying to control <laughs> the light on the backdrop, right. it's harder to do with, with an umbrella. The soft box is enclosed and gives you a more contained and, uh, controllable direction. Uh, not, not just for your subject, but for everything else in your photograph. Um, and then you need a, a light shining from behind, which can be a bare bulb flash, like just a bare speed light. And you can buy like a $50 Yong Nuo flat light yeah. off Amazon or a Niwer or anything. These, these lights don't have to be expensive. Like I said, there's no such thing. There's no better light or, or lesser light. There's just what you do to control it. And um, like you, you pay for build quality and you pay for a, a couple other features, but you largely pay for build quality. So if you're, if you're, if your $5,000 paycheck is relying on a $50 flash, maybe you should buy two of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe you should have a backup. Um, yeah. You know, could consider that or, or maybe you should rent some tools for this big job because, because the more expensive stuff may be more reliable. Right. And you should rent some stuff to see if you like using it. Like go to lensrentals.com and borrow some stuff for a weekend and see what things you like. Like you don't need to go and drop thousands of dollars yourself. There's a lot of ways around it. Um, you can get a, a work light from Harbor Freight Tools. That's an LED and shine it through a bed sheet. I've actually done this before and, uh, and, and make really good light. Um, but so I want a, a, a large, like a 30 inch soft box, at least on the front. That's a large light in relation to someone's head and shoulders. And so it makes a very soft light. And then I've got that backlight and it may be bare. 
I prefer it not to be bare. I prefer it also to be in like a strip box, like a, a long, narrow, soft box, so that it's also just a little less specular, so that the light shining off of somebody's cheek doesn't show off every pore, but it, it does show a, 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 a light, like a, a, a white sheen coming from behind. And so a larger light, just like on the front, is softer and um, less distracting is the thing. Uh, are these, and then these lights, uh, how are they positioned like height wise, even with their head or, yeah, or, or slightly, slightly higher than the head perhaps. Higher. And with a slight tilt, like I don't want like a 45 degree tilt because now the top of the person's head is closer to the light than their nose. Uh-huh. And nobody wants the top of their head brighter than their face. So it's, it's fairly vertical and it's, it's, uh, like the, Maybe their eyes are right at the center of the light, perhaps, on okay. the front light. And then the, the back light is more forgiving, especially if you've used a, a softbox back there to make it larger. But it's, it's, it's about head height as well, shining forward. And they're in opposition to each other. So I start with my front light on the left, on my left, and the back light on, on the right. Okay. And they should, be, they should be opposite one another. If you put them both on the same side... Um, typically you can't even see the backlight right. because it's, it's overpowered by the front light. And if you do, it's unbalanced. It, it feels unbalanced and unnatural. Like when you're sitting around and you're sitting by a window talking to somebody in a cafe, they've got that window light shining on their face. And then back there in the cafe on the other wall, there's another window that's shining and lighting up the other side of their face a little bit. And so pay attention to this kind of thing. And you'll see that that most of the time you've got this, this, these lights in opposition, like coming from opposite sides of a person. And that's what makes them look great. Watch TV, watch movies, and you'll see that they do the same thing. They've got a front light and a rim light on the opposite side. When, okay. So you, you have, you said the light on the main light on the left and the, the backlight is opposite. Does that mean you have them face towards that main light like, do you have them partially turned towards that main light? Yes, I want their I want their face pointed toward that light. What I'm looking for is a short light lighting pattern. When you when you've got a view of somebody's face, you can look straight on at them and you see the whole face. Or if you turn their face slightly to the side, which we generally do, now you can see, like if you split their face in half down their, their nose and, and straight down their face that way, you'll see that you've got a broad view. Let's say I turn them to, um, to their right, so they're facing camera left. Now I see the, the left side of their face more. I can see their left ear, and I can't see their right ear. Mm-hmm. This would be the broad view of their, the left side of their face, whereas now I can, I can still see their right eye but the view I have of their face is much shorter, right? I can only see their eyebrow and their eye and their cheek. I can't see their ear. So it's, it's the short view of their face. And we want to light the short side of their face, the short view, and have the shadows falling on the broad side um, because it, it shows us shadows. If we have all the light shining on the broad side, like we do when we use an on-camera flash, then all the shadows are pushed away from the camera and we and shadows reveal the shape of someone's face. They, the, that's how we can tell the shape of anything is by the shadows, not by the light. And so we want to see 
shadows. Okay. We we use reflectors and we, we use a soft light and things to make them less dark, but we still want the shadows on the camera side. So so yes, I've got them turned toward the light and um, and their body is probably turning a little bit away from the light. So if I'm going to photograph somebody's left side of their face, I'm going to point their toes to my right and have them look to my left. I want, I want a contrapposto position, okay. which is a term. <laughs> I, I, learned this, I learned this term in art history in college as I was studying geology. And, uh, and yeah, like you've, you've just got their, their hips and shoulders in contrast to one another. Okay. And it's, it's slimming and it's engaging and, and kind of dynamic looking. Um, the thing is not everybody, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> and then I've got a, <laughs> and then I've got a reflector as well on the opposite side of the front light. And it's, it's not just sitting vertically. I've got a, a panel reflector. If you look on BNH search for a panel reflector and it sets up kind of like a, like a dome tent and it's got a flat side with, with poles that go into a hub on the back. And then it's, it's on a light stand and you can position it, um, any, any which way you like. And so I've generally got that at an angle. Like if, if it was included in my picture, you'd see it coming across the bottom right corner of, of my photos um, at like a 45 degree angle across the, in the frame. Uh, if I, if I backed up a little bit or if I just haven't cropped it yet. Right. Okay. And that's, that's lighting the right side and also underneath and just easing like reducing the darkness of the shadows on the right side. And that's in front. Whenever you use a reflector, it belongs more in front of your subject, not straight to their side because you want to shine the light into the front of their face. When it's at the side, it's almost actually a backlight. Um, and so those, those are, that's all the, that's the whole setup. Okay. And then there's a backdrop. And Which, the backdrop, any color, any it could be the room that they might want the room in it, right? It could, it could be, it could be the room. Yeah, it could, it could be. Um, I do this often. Like I use the same setup for my environmental portraits as well. It's yeah. basically the same thing: light from behind, light from the front, and a reflector as necessary. Um, but yeah, like a gray backdrop is the way to go. <laughs> uh, it's it's really hard to make a white backdrop. You've got to you've got to shine light on it. And it's got to be white, but not blown out. And, and it's, it's a little difficult, but gray is really, really forgiving. And you should buy one of those pop-up backdrops, one of the collapsible kinds. I've got one made by, uh, oh, is it Lastalite? Is that the British brand? Yeah. Lastalite's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's way nice. Don't buy it. It's like <laughs> 150 bucks. <laughs> it's like a five by seven collapsible just get the get the B and H brand one or whatever for like fifty bucks or the Amazon brand. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Uh, the the last the light one might be slightly nicer material, but it's very slight, and it's it should be like Kate backdrops has some good ones. I've got um, it should be kind of velvety so that it's not reflective and it it helps the light to to be more even in the backdrop. Um, so you can you can get one of those. But you can also use a V flat, which means a piece of foam core or a, or a, or the paper. You can use roll paper. Right. That's fine. Um, the the pop up is just handy for carding back and forth and having the same setup and and having minimal um, minimal setup. Although 
taping using some gaff tape and taping a roll of paper to the wall is the minimal setup and it's like probably 30 bucks for a, a like a 60 inch wide roll of paper so that's not a bad way to go right and with paper you're not limited to like six feet wide like i am with my with my pop-up backdrop um which is good because somehow sometimes even though it's six feet wide and a person is like two and a half feet wide you end up with the edge of the backdrop in the picture (laughs) a lot of times but you can you can actually hang paper horizontally you can roll it horizontally across your picture and make it 10 feet wide and 60 inches tall, which, which can be very good. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good. What, what about someone who comes in and so you've got a setup like they're going to face a specific direction. They're like, that's not my good side. They have us there. Like my, the I need to face the other way. Cause that's my good yeah. side. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And if I've got time, I will just flop the lights okay. and, put the put the light on their good side if i don't have time then uh they may they may end up being a little more straight on to the to the camera okay but still lighting their good side primarily and and i can get away with it like good side is a real thing and every person has a better side some people have a way better side (laughs) and some people have two good sides but they don't look like themselves from one of them (laughs) and the like you should read peter hurley's book and it's very good and his videos about about sussing out which which way to position a person are true and very good and something like it's i start with that light on on my left side the front light on my left side because between 60 and 80 percent of people are left sided <laughs> okay so right. so their their left side should be facing toward the camera so the odds are good that they need to be turning their head to their own right to my left and pointing their left face at my camera um, so that's that's why i start with the light on the left on my left side so that i can photograph their left side um, and if if i'm hired to photograph this person and do a headshot of this person I will put the light on the on the appropriate side for that person. Mm-hmm. If I'm hired to photograph, uh, you know, 200 people today, sorry, you're you're getting kind of a front light instead of a side light on this person. But I still take 30 seconds and try and discern which side is going to be best for that person. And for me, the thing I'm looking at most is the nose, the eyes, and the jawline, and from these three things, I can usually determine which side is somebody's good side. Eyes trump everything else. If, if someone has a wandering eye, um, you should make that point at the camera no matter what. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone's got a lazy eye, they can usually it, – it'll, it'll usually line up if you start them looking – to the right and then look at the camera. Whereas if I say look at the left and then look at the camera, the one eye stays wide, stays, you know, not looking at the camera correctly. And so that's, that's the thing that is most noticeable in a portrait is that this person's eyes are not lining up on, on me when I'm looking at them. And so that trumps everything else. If the eyes are, are tracking together, that I'm, and I'm not going to say normal because actually 
a lot of people have a slightly lazy eye that they don't they don't even know uh-huh. because because they're not in the situation of studying someone's face over and over again. Um, and so I'm not going to say normal. I'm just going to say that their eyes don't totally track together all the time. Um, and so if, if the eyes do track together, then I'm looking at the nose and a lot of people have a crooked nose, which is <laughs> again, it's normal. Maybe it got broken, but maybe not. Right. Like my nose is slightly leaning to the right and I've never significantly damaged my nose. Although the other day I came close <laughs> with a soccer ball to my face. Right. Um, and, and so I'm looking for a nose that, that curves slightly one way or the other. It may have a more prominent, um, texture <laughs> on one side or the other. Like it may have a more, a more lump kind of where the, where the cartilage meets the bone. It may flare more on one side or the other. Uh-huh. And, and so I want, like if, if my nose is leaning to the right side of my face, then my right face should be toward the camera. I want to shoot into the crook of the nose. And this reduces the impact of the, of the crooked nose. And whereas if I shoot from the other side and light from the other side, I can exacerbate that crook and not do anybody any favors. Um, and then when I'm looking at, and, and it might be slight, like, most people have have something about their nose that points me in the direction of which side is their good side. Uh, some people are very significant, but some people just have a slight difference. So I, I ask them to look way over there to the left, look up, look down, look way over here to the right, look up, look down, and I can pretty quickly see it. I'm also looking for a jawline that's not necessarily symmetrical or... Um, or that has like a, a protuberant profile as well. Sometimes when people turn to the left, there's a muscle in their cheek that sticks out funny. <laughs> and that like that's another thing I'm looking for. So like if the nose is, is pretty good, I'm just gonna double check the the jawline and make sure there's not something funny happening there. Um, dimples can be a very good indicator. Often if people have one dimple, it's on their good side. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yep. Excuse me. And, and it's it like, I don't know if, if they cultivated it that way or a lot of times people put their good side forward because they, they have a feature there that they like. Uh-huh. And a lot of people know they have a good side and probably half of them are wrong about which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's that's really good. Um, I think that's good direction on how to do this. Now let's get to the, let's wrap this up with the hardest part. <laughs> directing people once you have them there. So you, you've found your spot, whether it's the natural light, ambient light that you're going to use in your stairwell with the semi-truck or the alley or whatever, and you have that set up. You've got uh, you've convinced the person that they should hire you for your, their portrait, their headshot. So you, you worked that first step that we talked about. What about then, now that you have them there, a lot of folks, at least as I've done this, they have no idea where to stand, how to pose. And that's what they like focus on that so much. They're not going to look normal or natural because they're just worried. Right. Like, I look stupid. I don't know what I'm doing here. How do I, how do I, they need direction on how it is they should pose so that they can g- create that professional looking headshot that they're looking for. Uh, how do you help someone come to that position? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, they're like they get in there and they're like, okay, just hit me with it. Like, 
<laughs> root canal me right now. Yeah. Right. Get it over with. And, uh, and, and they've, they also bring all their baggage, like, like aunt Susie, when they were 16 years old said, why do you squint so much in your photos? Yeah. <laughs> and so ever since then they look like a deer in the headlights in every picture taken of them. Um, because somebody made some comment sometime in their life. And so you've got to, you've got to help them overcome all these things so that we can see their natural looking suaveness. You know, everybody <laughs> looks good, right? Everybody looks good, but they have so much baggage coming into this about why they don't look good. And, and it's sometimes it's, sometimes it's really tough. So, um, we found the good side. We've got the light on the right side. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them that I'm going to tell them what to do. <laughs> and right. that gives, that's, that's relieving to everybody. Like you, you're not expected to know how to do this because it's not normal. <laughs> Nothing what we're doing right now is normal. So it's, yeah, it's not, um, it's not expected that you know how to do these things. I'm going to get that contrapposto stance, a little bit of shoulders this way, hips that way, face this way. And I'm going to, and, and tell people like you, you just prep them. You say, I'm going to tell you to do these things and I'm going to tell you over and over again to do them because, because it's not normal. So forgive me, but I'll, I'll just tell you to do this over and over and I'll, I'll give you the steps right now so that when I say it, you know what I'm talking about. And don't, don't expect people to be, to like stack these things up and stay in a perfect position. Like you can't tell them where to put their toes and their hips and their shoulders and their face and expect all those things to still be in the right spot. Um, so the, the, fifth tool that you need that may be the most important thing is a tripod because you need to get a camera out of your hand. That thing is like, it's like waving a knife in someone's face. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's terrifying. And when that camera is in your hand, they know that a picture can be made at any second and, and I've got to be ready for it. So get the camera out of your hand and take everything else like about the camera out of the equation of working with the person. And when your when your camera is not in your hand, you can get it lined up. And while anytime I'm working on the camera and not actively pressing the button, I tell people to look at my toes, look down there at the corner of the door frame, look away from the camera. Do not even waste your looks on me. Close your lips, frown. Don't waste your, your smiles on me while I'm adjusting my, aperture and my focus and my horizon and things. And so, but once those things are all adjusted, you tighten it up and, and now the camera is ready to work on its own. Even better if you can use a remote release where you're not pushing the shutter button on, on top of the camera. Right. Um, and it gets, it, it is so important to not be holding a camera when you're directing somebody and conversing with them and trying to elicit these, these good, these good looking um, expressions. Um, so put the camera over there, tell them where to stand, like stand, open up your stance a little bit and you've got to use the right words. Don't spread your legs. We don't, we don't tell people to spread their legs, <laughs> right. right? We say, open your stance, <laughs> open your stance a little bit. Um, I'm always like, shut your mouth for a second. <laughs> that's not what I mean. Close your lips. Uh, don't, don't say close your mouth either. Cause that's, that's like a, that's a thing in, in my culture anyway, where close your mouth is not necessarily polite (laughs) to say. And so, um, close your lips or put your lips together. 
some something like this so that I'm not giving somebody a negative uh, direction right off the bat and say, don't, don't say don't is the other thing. Um, just like with kids, when you're photographing kids, if you say, don't put your hand in your mouth, all they hear is hand in mouth <laughs> and, and they, they keep their hand in your mouth. Instead, you say to the kid, put your hand in your pocket uh, and now their right. hand is out of their mouth and they're focused on keeping their hand in their pocket. And the same thing with, with anybody really don't say, don't do these things. Don't, don't do that. Say, do, do this. Um, and remind people not to hold back. Like they're sitting there and for some reason about half the people feel like if they're smiling, they should just keep smiling and talk <laughs> right. through their teeth right. rather than moving their mouth. And it's like, it's fairly ridiculous if you think about it, but obviously they don't think about it. So tell them, you know, I, I may tell you to close your lips, but don't hold back on me. Like if you're going to, if you're going to laugh, it's better to break up and laugh than to have like a, uh, a puffy mouth because you're trying to hold your lips closed, right? So don't hold back. I'll tell you again to do stuff again. And I'd like if if I even if I tell you to close your lips, it doesn't mean I'm looking for a closed lip look. <laughs> I'm just I'm setting you up, and I'm going to tell you to look way over there, way far to the left, because I know when you look back at me, you'll come to the right position. And so you get some people who keep their face way over to the left and bring their eyes over like a creeper, but most people. If you, if you say, if you put their face right where you want it to be and then say, look at me, they turn their face right back to you and they're not in the right spot anymore. So you, you look past where you want them to be. And then when they come back, they don't come back all the way. Uh -huh. They, they come back to the right spot and you just do this over and over again. And you don't say, turn your face to the left. That's the worst. You say, turn and look at that thing on the wall over there. Turn and look at the bottom of the door frame. turn and look at the trim, turn and look at that leaf on the ground and give them something very specific to look at. Because to the left, am I far enough to the left? Oh, did you mean my left or your left? Right, right. The other left, all, all, like never say left and right. Say this way and move your hand, and say this way and move your hand up and down. Um, so those are, those are some, of the, some of the tricks to use. Um, and then, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing everything that Peter Hurley talks about. So, and he explains it way better in a video. So go watch his videos about the jawline, I have people push their forehead out toward me. And I turn to the side and I say, do this, like a chicken or like a turtle, stick it way <laughs> yeah, out. Right. It looks ridiculous from the side, but from the front, it gives you, it gives you this presence. And, and it also tightens up your jawline, which is nice. But it, I, I explain to people why I'm doing these things too. I say, open your stance, now stand on, the, on this leg toward me. That's it, yeah, just kind of settle your weight onto this leg toward me. This gives you this presence as you're leaning into the picture. It, it looks like you're interested in the person looking at you. And that, that just makes the picture seem much better. And, and also now your face is the closest thing to the camera instead of your hips, which everybody likes. <laughs> right. the, the thing closest to the camera is larger to the camera. Um, so explain what you're doing. Explain how this is going to go because people just don't know. And, it, and do all this explaining in less than 30 seconds <laughs> so you can get the next person going. Um, but yeah, watch, watch Peter Hurley's stuff, push, push your forehead out and use your forehead to direct people. This is like, Peter does this amazing job of processifying the process, like <laughs> spelling it out for us, do these things in this order and you will have a good picture. And, and it's really, really powerful. And, and the, like using your forehead to drive the action instead of your chin. 
because people push their chin out and now they look like like a snob because they lifted their chin up. But when they push with their forehead, it naturally comes downward a little bit and everybody needs to lower their forehead in a picture. And it gives it a directness and it gives it, again, that presence as if they're interested in the in the person looking in there. And so, yeah, I, I position their, their head in there and I'll, I say, I'm going to tell you this over and over again. Push your forehead out toward me. And I use my hand. My hand is sticking out because it's not holding the camera. So my left hand is, is sticking out here and I say, push your forehead toward me and I draw it toward me and then I, I bring your forehead down too. And, and I say, you know, I may say, follow my hand. I don't know if I've ever said that, but that's what people <laughs> do. They follow my hand because it's out there directing them. And, and then I say, okay, now look at, look into the glass, look, look right into my, right into my lens. And, uh, and, and I tell them directions for how to look on their face too. And I explain beforehand, like all this stuff is beforehand. That's why you need a tripod. Yeah. I explained that. I think like, as I thought about this picture for you, I think you probably want to look, uh, confident and, and like trustworthy, but also approachable, like a little bit friendly, not too smiley. I mean, I see that you you, you naturally have a big smile, but, but not goofy. Right. Right. So explaining this helps people understand that I'm interested in helping them look their best and, and they become more and more willing to let me do the thing that's going to help them look their best. So you know, I do like Peter Hurley says, I say, look at me sneakily. Give me a mischievous <laughs> look. Do you have kids? You get teenagers. You know what sneaky looks like. Then. <laughs> Give me this a little more smirk. There you go. Give me that Clint Eastwood in the eyeballs, which I'm going to have to find somebody else because Clint Eastwood is like falling flat on the millennials. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so all of these little tips. And explain them beforehand. Like I've I've made the picture fifteen times before I even step behind the camera, because I've I've shown them how to get into this position. I've given them all the directions over and over again. And now when I step into the camera spot, bam! It's like one click and we're done, unless they blinked, and then one more. And right. so it's very quick to get a good picture um, because I, I did I, I made the picture before I pressed the button. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Is that, is that helpful? It is. It, the The direction is, I think, so next to the creating a, a comforting environment and gaining the trust of the person enough to even hire you in the first place, this is the next hard I think the technical aspects, the getting the camera on the tripod and the aperture and, and the lighting and all that is really easy to do. I mean, it might be seem really tough yeah. at first, yeah. but that's the easy part. Getting someone so they actually like de-ice <laughs> in right. front of you so that they can look normal and natural and like themselves in the portrait is to me the very biggest challenge and something I, I just have a lot more work to practice and, and get there. Um, I, I feel like I've got a little bit of it down now because I've done enough of these that I, I can help them um, feel like I, I'm going to do a good job for them. And I, I think that that was a really key point, I think, that you brought to it was uh, this is not natural, but I'm going to make it look natural. You're going to be fine. We're going to get through this together. I know how to make this happen. And uh, and we're going to this is going to be good, even though you are going to you came to this despising that you're going to have to do this. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and the thing too i like 
the things that all the things that I just said, like push your head out like a turtle and um, like the, the things that I say to, to elicit a good response in their faces are not the things that Peter Hurley says. I, I just don't talk like him. Right. It's not, it's not that he says things that are wrong, but when I say turn your belly button toward the Eiffel Tower, it, it's, it's just not the thing I say. And so that's the thing too, is like do the things that really successful people do, but do them your way. Say, say things your way. When I, when I say things like, like a New Yorker says, it doesn't sound like Levi from you know, Idaho says. And <laughs> so I've got, I've got to adapt those things for myself. I, and, and I, and I get great responses. You know, I, one thing I say is I'm like, you've got kids. Oh, good. How, how many, like, I've got two kids myself. What, how old are your kids? Oh, that's awesome. And now I'm behind the camera and I'm like, Oh, uh, a couple of things you can say to get people to give a good response is like, say their daughter's name. And, and often they, they crack a, a really genuine looking smile. Right. A really good one for me is which one of your kids is your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trick question. They're not supposed to have favorite. Everybody right. does, but, uh, <laughs> um, and, and so, so that, that gets a really natural response smile out of them after I've cranked their forehead, like a chicken and they're standing contrapposto and they're holding a submarine sandwich to get their arms to look great. Um, all those things. Like we, we pose them up really, really specifically. And then we unpose the face and we, we get the, the, uh, great reactions out of them. But, but those are totally yours. Start with the things. Start with the rubber chicken and bonking yourself on the head like every other photographer does. <laughs> but, but find the things that are you so that, so that you can say them comfortably yourself. So that, so that it's, you know, so that it's you working with the person and do your thing. It, it just takes time to develop. It, it definitely takes some time. So go set up a booth at the farmer's market, put up a sign that says captured moments photography, misspell your email address and make a hundred <laughs> pictures that day. <laughs> just make sure they can't contact you for them later. <laughs> It'll be <Right>. fine. <laughs> right. to, like as you're developing your stuff and, th and that's the thing I don't charge for it at the farmer's market or at the, at the garden show or at the WPPI because like they're doing me a favor. Right. You're allowing me to practice with you. That that is huge payment for me. Um, and and it's and it's something you cannot pay for otherwise. You can't watch Peter Hurley on videos and make and and go do it. You need to practice. And that practice can't be purchased and and shouldn't be billed for either. Right. You've got to be good at it before you go bill somebody for it. I love it. Oh, and don't yes. practice on your kids or your wife. <laughs> no, you, you have, a, you have a finite number of pictures. That's right. That's right. Oh, I know that for sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, go, go to the neighbor's kid, go to the, go to the, the neighbor's teenager who loves to be in photographs and photograph him all day long. <laughs> and, but don't use, don't waste your photo credit, your family photo credit practicing <laughs> i've i've resorted to practicing just with me now so i, I put the, yeah. you know put the camera on the tripod i get i have an ipad app that i can trigger the 
the shutter yep. and, and see my positioning and I play around with it that way. Put it on a timer mode so it's like the, you know, 10 second countdown to taking the photo and and then just keep trying stuff and <laughs> so it takes a long time though <laughs> to do Absolutely it. Absolutely it does. And I yeah. do the same thing like when when I'm doing headshots for the university when I've got a spot between, I'm standing in there myself and I'm checking stuff out and I'm trying to figure out which is my good side and I'm <laughs> getting, right. getting myself in the right position as well. Right. Well, Levi, thank you for uh, providing some help on how people can get into this. I think it's it's been a fun episode. I can't wait to be able to point people to it. Like, hey, if you want to get into this, here's some getting started tips. And that's a, we have a lot of listeners who, who come and find the podcast because they learn a lot about how to use their camera. And this is kind of what the instruction is. I, I feel like there's this gap between someone that's just getting started and the, all the training that's out there feels like it's like a little, there's a big jump between that yes. for most of the training. So I, I wanted to yes. try to, to create something that, that'll bridge that gap and get people kind of started. And then you're, you're really well prepared to go in and like, okay, now I need the Peter Hurley video. Let's go, let's go do this and, uh, and get more out of it. Definitely. So. And every, every Wednesday I publish an article on a portrait tip, something to help you make a better photograph of a person. And a lot of them are headshot based and it's on photofocus.com. There's like, I don't know, two or 300 of just portrait tips on there. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a, <clears throat> a couple of links, Are you, uh, links in the show notes uh, so that people can see that, especially the how to get kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I love the behind the scenes there. Uh, like you said in the, in the post, you wish the cameraman would have uh, continued rolling. <laughs> he was worried for your safety, I, I assume, and, and stopped. But <laughs> that, that was funny. That, that may just be so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's close up the show here with some doodads of the week. Uh, I'll start off here. I'm going to recommend the Triplite AVR750U. This is a, a universal power supply called UPS for short. It's battery backup for your computers. Uh, if you don't have a laptop, because it has kind of the battery backup built in, if you use a desktop computer, then these are very highly recommended to make sure you don't have a problem. Uh, and, you know, I used to think like this happens rarely, but boy, the United States has had a lot of power issues <laughs> over the last <laughs> little while. So that's true. Um, and, and I just recently, like I've always had one. It's just a, a common thing. For, I want to make sure surges don't fry my equipment. That's another benefit you can get from these things. And uh, I had a battery go bad and it meant that my computer was shutting down when the battery would like blip just a little bit. It doesn't take much of a power disruption before your computer shuts down. So the battery is bad. My UPS that I had before was really old. So I, I'm sure I could look to find a battery, but I was like, nah, I just, it's time for me to finally spend the $90 it takes to buy a new one and get something that's, that's totally current. And so this is the newest one I got. I, I really like it. It's done a great job and it's not so expensive. <clears throat> $90 is, is, uh, is great for that. So highly recommend that. There's a link to the show in the show notes to that. If you want, if you're interested and, and need to do the same thing, Levi, tell me what your doodad of the week is. Oh man, I've got, I've got three. If you'll. Okay. Me. Yeah. Let's do three. First, first one like you is a time machine drive. So I use Apple. So they've got the built in time machine, which backs up your computer automatically. Yeah. Uh, which I did not do. And my computer is currently being rebuilt by Apple. Uh-huh. And my, uh, you know, everything I did for the last month and a half 
is lost. Oh gosh. <laughs> my my pictures weren't there, but my Lightroom catalog was, yeah. and I hadn't backed it up recently. You know, you I've got the the thing on that says backup every time Lightroom closes. And you yes, ignored that's it. Checked. Oh, but but I overwrite it most of the time. Gotcha. <laughs> and so so I I lost a lot of time because I didn't have a backup. So by a little one terabyte drive, I was amazed at how cheap SD or yeah SD drives are now, and they're fast and it doesn't take as long as it used to. You've got to have a backup. So get a backup. Um, then the book, The Headshot by Peter Hurley. It is phenomenal and just makes this whole process of um, making making pictures of people so much easier. There's a review of the book on Photo Focus as well that I wrote a few years ago. It is, um, it, it's, it's really worth the few bucks it costs to get that book. If you read it, at least. I guess read the headshot. <laughs> you don't have to buy it, but you, do, you should read it. You should read it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and lastly... I sure like this new umbrella I got um, from B&H. It's the Angler Parachute Umbrella. And it's like an umbrella is round. It's a circle. Well, this one is a circle that's got two sides cut off. And so it's, it's kind of shaped like, a, like an airfoil parachute instead of a round one. And the reason I love it is because it's not as big as my seven foot umbrella. It's still seven feet wide and still gives me this really big soft light. But now I can push it to the ceiling in a small room because that that's not, it doesn't have that whole round part on top, which means the center of my light is now higher and I can line it up with, with the people I'm photographing without running into the ceiling. And so, and they're like, they're cheap. 50 (laughs) bucks. I think it's, I think it's less than 50 bucks. And it is such a great light. Like if I had to have only one light modifier for the rest of my life, this would be it. Wow. It, it comes with a, it's a white umbrella, but it comes with a black and silver cover. So you can either, either use it reflectively or as a shoot through. And it's just a very versatile tool. So I sure like that a lot. Very cool. I love it. All right. Thank you, Levi, again for joining me and and uh, talking about headshots a little bit. I hope it, it helps listeners so they can get into the headshot world. I want to remind everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com, home for the show, where you can <clears throat> go and check out the show notes. Boy, I'm just suddenly <clears throat> really struggling. <clears throat> I know. I think we, we pushed it. Sorry to keep we, you so long. <laughs> uh, our Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast, you can search for it. You do have to ask to join. And if you've been listening for a while, you know you have to name a host on the show. So Levi will work, and Jeff, and uh, and we'll uh, let you in. We know that you're a listener then when you answer that question. If you don't answer it, you don't get in. Um, th- you can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or my other uh, fo- photo podcast. There we go. <laughs> Is phototacopodcast.com. Uh, where I, I really take on like more technical topics, things uh, mostly with like the computer side of doing um, photography, but a lot with the technical aspects of uh, the camera and flash and, and all that kind of thing too. So if you uh, have questions about that, I most likely already have some, some information for you over at phototacopodcast.com. You can just search on whatever topic you need help with and there's probably something there. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Those links will be in the show notes. People, Where can people find you, Levi? Uh, find me at photofocus.com 
and also photo Levi on Instagram. Oh, and I've got a, a whole set of courses on making portrait photos in uh, on LinkedIn Learning, which if you've got a library card, you've probably got a free subscription. If you work for any kind of company, you've probably got a free subscription. And they also have free trial times as well. So check out LinkedIn Learning for lots of good pictures. Excellent, excellent. Another, or education, yeah. Another great resource to help you get on your, your portrait game. So that's that's awesome. I love it. All right. Thanks, thanks uh, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you again in another seven days.